All right. Well, we've been trying to answer the question over these last couple of weeks or several weeks, not only why do we exist, but how do we exist as a church family, a local church family? I think the things we'll be sharing over the next several weeks and what we've already shared is a common theme in most churches across America. Uh, but really what we're trying to do here and what we'd like to see happen is just a culture of what we think God desires us to be as his people. And so therefore, I think it's very important to know why we exist, but I think it's almost as important to understand how do we exist? How do we exist as a church family. So go ahead, let's jump right in this morning. If you'll go ahead and pull your outline out, you're going to see that uh, we're going to review some things, which I can't think of a better thing to review than what we covered last week and then tying it into this week. And so we're looking at a series called Kingdom Culture. And the first thing that we saw at the very beginning of our study, and hopefully you remember this, is that Jesus is what? Our lead story. Uh, he's our lead story in everything that we do and everything that we plan and everything that we celebrate. He is our lead story. Second of all, and this is where we started last week. This is part two. Scripture and prayer are prime. So look at this series introduction. Because we are a collection of many people from various places, backgrounds, and stories, we believe culture making is essential for unifying our church family around a shared vision as we carry the message of Jesus to the world. And this is the part you're going to get sick of because you're going to hear this many, many weeks, okay? We exist to love God, connect with others, and reach the world by creating a culture. And this is number two, where scripture and prayer are prime. Now, this is, again, what we discussed last week, but look at this with me again. God gives us his word to bring about the good news of Jesus, and that good news is not that our sin made us bad people that somehow we might make ourselves better. The gospel cries out that our sin has made us dead. There's a big difference in the two. It's made us dead, and that Jesus is our only hope of ever being made alive. To miss this truth is to miss the purpose of life and the purposes of Christ. Therefore, all we do and say is anchored in the message of the gospel. So when we gather, our ultimate purpose is not to endorse the ideas, philosophies, or opinions of men, but to exchange them for the transforming truth of God's word. When we pray, we are agreeing with the Holy Spirit of our desperate need for his presence. And we are asking for his transforming power to consume and move in us personally and corporately. Ultimately, we believe the purpose of prayer is to align ourselves, you heard that in the video, to align ourselves with his will, his ways, and his word. So when we gather, our, our ultimate purpose is not to fill empty time or transitions with empty words or phrases and call it prayer, but to invite the Holy Spirit to meet the deepest needs of those gathered, those gathered for the advancement of his kingdom and the glory of his name. Y'all, that is so vital. We need to understand that our only hope is found in Scripture. Our only hope of aligning ourselves with God's ways and His will and His word is through prayer. And if we miss that, then we've totally missed what our lives should be built upon. And so therefore, it's important around here. Now, look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. Go ahead and turn there. We're going to review quickly. 
We believe scripture, God's word, is the inspired words of God. That's what we hold to be true. That's what we believe to be true. So those, that means that they are words in which God reveals himself to us. So the words that are found in God's word are not just words on a page. They're not just words that human beings wrote. We believe, and we're building a culture of believers who believe that this is God's word. And it's so vital that we understand that. Not only that, we believe that the words in God's word transforms lives. And we got to understand that. We believe that it's words that we can trust to build our lives upon. And so therefore, our goal, our culture should be that in which we believe God's word meets the deepest needs of who we are. Meets the deepest needs of who we are. So in review of last week, look on your outline. We're going to quickly run through this. Scripture provides instruction for salvation. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13 once again. Paul was writing to Timothy that we believe this is possibly the last letter that he ever wrote. He says this, Evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them. He goes on, that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So the very words that he's sharing here, he's saying, Timothy, don't get away from what you've always known. Don't get away from those people that you've trusted in, uh, and they poured their lives into you. You're going to hear all kinds of things out there in the world. You're going to go possibly to the university and hear things that are contrary to everything that the Bible teaches, everything that your parents taught you. But here's one thing you must know, that you continue to stand in the Word of God, that that is your salvation. And so he goes on. Look on your outline. Scripture provides instruction that is definitive. And of course, the word definitive means is reliable, is complete. It means it can be trusted. And so there's several things that the Bible says about itself. The first thing that we understand is the inspired text. So look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says what? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. We discussed it last week. It's God-breathed. It's the same terminology in which he spoke the universe into existence. The, same, the, the, very word, the very person, the very words that spoke the words into existence are the words that we find on the pages of God's word. Now, that should blow your mind. But that's how important the word is. Another thing that we see is, is, is the proven text. 2 Timothy chapter 3, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. That means this. That means we've, we've built our lives upon it. We've seen the transforming work of God's word. And we know, we know it works. We know it works. We also know that it stands the test of time. Do you remember last week we talked about how prophetically sound it is and, and how uh, historically sound it is and how scientifically sound it is? If, if you missed it, just go back to last week I don't, on, on the internet. I don't have time to go back through that, but I just want you to understand it is proven and it works. Next, Scripture provides instruction for sanctification. I'm going to quickly go through this. We did this last week. First of all, is the teaching or doctrine text. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, it goes on in verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Now, let me just say this, and you're going to hear me say it again in just a moment. 
We need doctrine, good doctrine, sound doctrine, listen, right doctrine to know what to believe. Let me think about the world. How many messages did you hear out there this week? I guarantee you, if your experience is like mine in the world, you heard more messages this week from the world that are contrary to God's word than agree with God's word. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Many times sitting in a classroom, and you hear the opposite You'll hear things that are contrary. And so that's the reason we need to understand what to believe. Doctrine is God's standard of truth that provides understanding, perspective, and guidance. And therefore, we need to know it. Next, it's the reproving truth or the convicting truth. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and for reproof. The word reproof carries the idea of rebuking in order to correct. Another way of looking at it is the whole idea of warning someone in order to correct. Now, again, I believe that the first two in this list list of four, the first two are dealing more with our belief system. Listen, your belief system determines how how you practically live out your life. Did you know that? If you believe something that's contrary to God's word, practically you're going to live your life out that will be contrary to God's word. It goes hand in hand. Our beliefs control the practices of our lives. And so look at what it, here's what we need to understand. It's in, it's in order to correct us. So when we reprove someone or we reprove them or rebuke them, we're rebuking a wrong behavior, a false doctrine, a wrong direction. Now, I want you to notice something. We looked at this last week, and it's important for us to see it again. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. You remember these verses? Verse 3. Why do we need truth? Here it is. The reason I think this is so important is because I don't know that there's ever been a time in history where this is being fulfilled any greater than it is right now. I mean, when you go back and study history, it's amazing. But here's what it says. Verse 3. For the time will come. When they will not endure sound doctrine. You you know what that literally means? They won't put up with it. They they will rebel against it. They will find other sources of truth other than the sound doctrine of Scripture. Are we living in that day? Most definitely. He goes on, but according to their desires. How how is it that they're going to exchange the truth of God's word for the ways of the world and for the thoughts of the world and the perspective of the world. How do, they, how do they go from here to here? The bridge, listen, is their own desires. Their flesh comes up. Here's what it says. I don't want to go this route. I don't believe God's word. I, I don't want to. My flesh tells me to embrace this over here. Let me tell you, we live in a world right now. It's embracing everything the flesh desires. Really, it is. To the the point of perversions like we've never seen before. And so all of a sudden, what what creates the the misnomer or the, 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 the doctrine that's not sound and the lies that people are building their lives upon? This is the truth over here. What's the bridge to get you to where they want to be? Their desires. Their desires. Your desires can destroy your life. 
Did you know that? Your desires can take you so far away from God's purposes and what he wants from you, for you. Your desires can far remove you from those things. And the thing that we need to understand is he's saying it is because of their desire, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, listen, who will agree, who will say it's okay to live out these desires. We're living in that day. And y'all, we, we're living in a day in which everybody seems to be deceived by it. There are people who are living under so much deception that, that it's really sad. And I'm not just talking about one level of deception. There's people living under deception uh, that the world's not only bringing, the government's bringing, even parents are bringing. I mean, it is amazing how far we've removed ourselves away from the truth of God's word. And it all came by way, listen, of those desires that are within us. It says they'll turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to fables. You know what it literally means? They'll believe lies. Lies. And y'all, not just certain lies. Listen, we're talking about a lie that's grounded on a lie that's grounded on a lie. Do you know how dangerous that is? To start building levels of falsehoods and lies on top of lies on top of lies. It removes you so far away, listen, that you can't see your way back. And that's what we're observing today. We need reproof to discern what not to believe. Next, the correcting scripture. 2 Timothy, verse 16, chapter 3. All scripture is given by inspiration. God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, and for correction. Correction is the idea of restoring something to its original and proper condition. So, put this in context. To reprove something or to rebuke something is bringing awareness of the wrong. Okay, so when I'm rebuking someone or I'm warning them, I'm bringing awareness to the wrong. Correction is someone who's not only believed it, but they've practically lived it out. So now I'm reaching over into their life and trying to bring them to a point of correction. Now, let me tell you something about God's word and what it says about bringing a person to correction. It all comes by way of repentance. Renouncing what's back here for something that God desires. So I'm going to renounce the lies that I believe, my belief system. I'm going to renounce the lifestyle I may find myself in. I'm going to renounce the, the idea that I embrace the lies and I've actually participated in the lies and I'm going to trade them for the truth of God. It's the actual restoring of making one upright once again. So we need correction to learn what not to do. Next, we see the instructing or training text. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction. And by the way, all four of these are in the context of righteousness. You know what righteousness is? God's standard what he wishes for us, what he desires for us. And he's saying, you want to get there? You want to experience the full blessings of God? You want to live a life without the, the consequences of lies and deception? You stick here. You, you come here. You find the truth here. 
So instruction. The idea of instruction is literally training or discipline or really mentoring. Let me say this. If there was someone in your life, maybe early on or even right now in your life, who's taking the time to help mentor you, did you know that's one of the greatest gifts you can receive from another human being? It's for a person to come alongside of you and instruct you, maybe bring warning to you, help correct you, help bring understanding of good doctrine to you. Someone that comes alongside and says, hey, let's, let's, let's journey down this path together. In some ways, in a lot of ways, it provides accountability. So we need doctrine to know what to believe. We need reproof to discern what not to believe. We need correction to learn what not to do. We need instruction to understand what should be done. But then we come to Scripture for our instruction for sanctification, the enabling text, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 17. Why is all this in place? That the man or person of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, I gave you this quote last week. Adrian Rogers, he's one of my heroes. He passed several years ago. He said this about this text. Listen to this. The starting place in Christian growth is to have a firm conviction As I said last week, that's what's missing in our culture right now. No one has firm convictions anymore. Matter of fact, you you know what people are saying is their firmest conviction? That everything everything is relative. That seems to be the only firm conviction that people have. And, And it's oxymoron. I mean, when you look at it, it's like, here's what they're saying. We're going to relatively look at life. We're going to bring perspective in a relative way. That is our strong conviction. And that's where everyone's being misled. They're saying that there's no standard of truth out there. There's nothing you can really build your life upon. That the answers are found in your own soul. Y'all, I don't know about you, but I learned a long time ago that my flesh gets me in a lot of trouble. It never seems to lead me in the right direction. You know what the Bible says about your flesh? You know how you're supposed to deal with your flesh? You crucify it. Do you know what a death by crucifixion looks like? It's very violent. It's very deliberate. It is to accomplish the purpose of death. But you know what we do? And I've been there too. We cuddle it. We we, we get as close as we can to a point in which we say, you know something? I really... How close can I get without it really becoming something that God doesn't want for me? We never do this. Have you ever noticed this? We seem to never do this. Oh, that's bad. I need to get as far away from that as I possibly can. Have you noticed that we hardly ever do that? What do we do? (laughs) Am I too close yet? And then all of a sudden, you know what happens? Many fall right off the edge. Here's the problem. Listen, the starting place in Christian growth is to have a firm conviction about the inspiration and the authority of God's word. You will never build your life upon something unless you understand, first of all, where it comes from and the power that it has, that can have in your life. It's the inspiration of God. Listen, it's the inspiration of God. It's the authority of God. It comes from him. I'm going to build my life upon it. Let's keep moving. 
We're into the good stuff now. We haven't described the next part. <laughs> Have I got time to even do it? <laughs> Here we go. This is part two. Scripture and prayer provides insight for transformation. First of all, many of you know this, there's revelation. Revelation. The, whole, the only reason I can hold this book is because God revealed himself to me through it. And you too. And so what is it? God revealing himself to creation. Now the act of God revealing his nature, his plans, and his expectations to us. Now here's what's interesting about the God's word. God's word is not just a list of thou shalt not do and thou shalt do's. How many of you have noticed that? It's not just giving you a whole list of do and don'ts. It is more than that. They're in there. But let me tell you something about God's word that's different than any other book that's written. Here it is. It reveals not only what he expects and what he does not expect. Listen, it reveals who he is. His nature is found in here. So when it says thou shalt not, you know what, God, you know what God's going to do in, in the context of that? He's going to say, here's why you shouldn't do that. Because I want you to understand my nature. My nature is opposed to that. I'm the one that created you. I'm the one that can redeem you. And here's what you need to understand. My nature is against the direction that you're moving in your life. So therefore, I'm going to reveal not only a list of do's and don'ts. I want you to know who I am. That you can come on board with me. That you can take on my nature. That's what it's all about. So it's more than do's and don'ts. It's his nature. So revelation comes to us primarily two ways. Look on your outline. General revelation. And by the way, every one of us can see general revelation all around us. What does that look like? It's through nature. You ever been out there and said, I love the way one of my friends says this. Sometimes God just shows off. You ever seen God show off? Man, to go outside and just look at something beautiful. Uh, pastors went to Ridgecrest last week, a couple weeks ago, and just driving up there, just saw the beauty and all that. And, just seeing God showing off. And then there's a whole idea of your own conscience. Did you know that a form of who you are, there's a conscience within you? And, and Romans 1 tells us about both of these. So you're welcome to look at that. I don't have time to look at that. But here's what we do know. Psalms 19.1. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. But not only is there general revelation, there's specific revelation. This is where it gets fun. How do we understand God through specific gener uh, revelation? Two ways, through prayer and through his word. It doesn't get any more specific than this. I'm just going to be honest with you. I can go out there and enjoy the nature in which God built and that beauty that beholds in nature and it declares his glory. And I can look in myself and see sometimes the conscience that should be there. But there's nothing as specific as his word, as his word. Next, and we find that in Psalms 119. Next, we have something called inter interpretation. So if I'm going to understand how my life can be transformed, I've got to come to terms with the fact that he revealed himself, okay? But then I've got to accurately interpret what he says. How many of you have ever seen people take God's word and make it what they want it to be? Or they only take part of it? There's a whole culture of people out there, and, and you hear them say it all the time. They don't care what the rest of the God's word says. Listen. 
Here's what it is. They don't care what the rest of God's word says, but here's what they'll pull out. All I know is God is love. God is love. And he, he would never eternally condemn someone because God is love. Have you heard that? God is love. He would never condemn this group of people over here and their activities that are contrary to God's word. They may be contrary. Yeah, I've read it, but that's something else. God is what? Love. It's really hard not to get mad at that. You know? Because it's a misrepresentation of who God is. First of all, is God love? Most definitely. Listen, he loved every one of us at our worst. Did you know that? And he wants to love everyone at their worst. He want, he's reaching out to them. He's reached out to them with his revelation, his specific revelation. It says, hey, if you want the best for your life, if you want to follow me, if you want to become like the nature of who I am, listen, you get on board. You move in this direction. But you know what the world says? No, thank you anyway. I'd rather stand over here. And by the way, thank you for, for being love. I don't mean to make fun of that. Well, maybe I do, but... It's a misrepresentation of who God is. The completeness of his nature, the completeness of who he truly is, is right here. Right here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Interpretation is determining the intended meaning in God's word. Here it is. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us. What did they do? They welcomed it. They received it. They not only received it. I mean, first of all, they had to have heard it. They received it. And then they welcomed it. What does it mean to welcome God's word in their life? It becomes a part of who you are. When you welcome people into your home, especially those ones that you love. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> You're welcome. They're becoming a part of you. You understand that, right? And, and so you got all that. You welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is the truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. You who believe. Let's go a step further. Scripture and prayer provides insight for transformation. You've got revelation. God's revealing himself. You've got interpretation. You need to understand the intended meaning. But here's something that's big. Illumination. The Holy Spirit's work of bringing light to one's heart. Illuminate. What does it mean? To bring light. To bring awareness. To bring truth in this context. And so you're looking here. Now here's what you need to understand. The Holy Spirit is bringing, listen, illumination. What is that all about? It's literally the Holy Spirit bringing God's word and prayer together. He's bringing it together. Now, when we think of prayer, what do we think of? The list we'd like to give to God on our behalf. It's the way a lot of people think of prayer, don't they? If you don't believe me, listen to them pray. Listen to your own prayer. What are you really saying? God, sure would like to have this stuff. And by the way, bless the world. And I'm sorry for all the hungry people in the world. And we just need you to, here's the list, God. Pay attention, you know. 
But prayer is a dialogue. Did you know that? Do you know that you can actually read his word and say, God, whatever's in my heart right now just going to keep me from hearing what you want to say to me. God, I want you to reveal that to me. Have you ever been bold enough to ask that question? You know what he'll do? If you mean business and you'll get to a point, and I don't know about you, but this is where I get in trouble a lot. How many of you have a racing mind? Have you ever learned how to slow it down? Have you ever learned how to shut everything out and just focus on him? Do you know that's what's required to have a good prayer life? And I'm going to be honest with you. I've gone through long seasons where I couldn't shut it down. I'm not proud of that. I'm ashamed of that. But you literally have to build the discipline. The reason a lot of you are not hearing from God, you have to build the discipline to shut down things and to listen. To listen. And so here's what, here it is. I'm, Lord, I, if there's anything to keep me from hearing from you, Lord, just reveal it right now. How many of you have ever seen things just come out of nowhere in your heart? It's like, bam, bam. Okay, God, that's enough. Let me deal with this. <laughs> you, ever, you ever been there? It's like things come out of right field. Some things you already know what he's going to put his finger on. That's him speaking. That's illumination. And then care to step further. Okay, God, we've dealt with that now. I feel pretty terrible about myself right now, but I know you still love me. But anyway, let's move on. <laughs> but, but really, he's going to reveal those things to you. Then you're going to come to his word. You're going to read his word. And all of a sudden, there's going to be things that's happened to me. I've heard you talk about it too. Where It's almost like things just leap off the pages of his word. It's like, wow, that was for me. I cannot believe what I'm getting ready to face, and I've taken the time to hear from God, and he's almost given me something before I even get there that addresses what i got to deal with. You ever seen that happen? Y'all, every bit of what I've just discussed is illumination. It's the Holy Spirit bringing the Word of God through prayer. He just brings it together, and there's a healthy dialogue with God. How does, how does uh, the word come to us? First of all, look on your outline, logos. It, it literally means a written word of God. Written word of God. In 2 Timothy 4.2, Paul says, Preach the word, be ready, in season, out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering, and what? Teaching. Where is every bit of that stem from? The written word of God. Okay? Let's carry it a step further. Rhema. It means the spoken word of God. Now, let me just say this. I believe this is where true illumination occurs is when you sense that God is putting his finger on something in your life that needs to be addressed or he's putting his finger on something that in his word that says, hey, you need to pay attention to this. Y'all, I consider that the spoken word of God because he spoke right there on my heart. Now, I have had people say, hey, I, you ever heard God speak to you literally? I mean, with a voice and all that. Sometimes the way he speaks to me is louder than him, me hearing a voice. I'm going to be honest with you. It just seems so real. But I've had some people tell me they've heard the voice of God. I haven't had the privilege of hearing that, okay? But, but I, I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, do did we, did we read in Scripture where God spoke? He can speak. I'll give you that. Never has happened to me personally. I think it would probably terrify me, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, but sometimes it's, it's louder when he speaks to your heart. So we see the rhema, the spoken word of God. Now, turn to James chapter 1. I'm going to show you something really carefully. I want you to turn to James 1. As you turn, listen to this. Scripture or God's word means nothing to us personally unless we receive it or welcome it. But then it must be seen in the context of our lives so it can work effectively in us. 
For God's word to work effectively in us, there's a final step to this process. And by the way, did you know that everything I've shared with you is a process? It's a process God uses and God has anointed to use in your life. So what do we have? We have revelation, God revealing himself, interpretation, correctly understanding God's word, illumination, the Holy Spirit's bringing light into my heart concerning God's word. But what's missing? Application. This is where many people miss it. Did you know I've met people and I have been the victim of some, something where I, res, I understood the revelation of God, I interpreted it correctly, I, I was illuminated as to what needed to happen. But did you know there's been times in my life where I didn't take the final step? That's application. Did you know every Sunday when we get stand up to teach the word of God that, that God will reveal something to someone? You know why I know that God reveals something to someone every Sunday here? Because we teach God's word. We teach God's word. It's not going to return void. Here's what that literally means. You will either receive it or you will sit there and say, nope. I will not. Did you know that both are a response to God's word? Both of them are. And so all of a sudden, I'm hearing the revelation of God. I've got a teacher in front of me bringing the correct interpretation of the word of God. How do I know that? Because there's something in me that tells me, amen, you tell them, buddy. Yeah, some of that's happened here today. Yes, you agree and that I've reached the proper understanding and interpretation of God's word. But again, guess what? Here's the illumination. God, all of a sudden, he starts speaking to your heart and you're sitting there. Here's, sometimes my heart starts beating fast. How many of you have ever been there? It's almost like, oh, God's good. He's, he's talking to, oh, my. Especially when he tells you to go to someone and talk to him. You ever been there? It's like time, time to speak up. And you're sitting there, you, you know, your, chest, your heart's beating out of your chest. Do you know that happens in here? I hope every Sunday. But then some people, you know what they do? When it comes to actually carrying it out, it stops right there. It goes no further. There was a, there's been times in my life I've done the exact same thing. And guess what I missed out on? What God wanted for me. And what maybe God wanted for someone else. So there's the application determining the relevance of God's word, and then actively responding. The process is not completed until we do that. James chapter 1, look at verse 21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. He's saying, lay aside those things that are going to keep you from hearing from God and receive with meekness, that's humility, that means you're not going to con- you're not there to control the situation. You're not there to dictate what's getting ready to happen. How many of you do that a lot? We do, don't we? Sometimes we set the terms for the meeting. Listen, we're going to have with the creator of the universe. We're going to set the terms. That's what meekness means. It means to take, it'd be under self-control, to submit yourself to the implanted word. The word implanted there, when, it, when he puts it, it could just say to receive the word. When it's implanted, it's the practicality of what God wants to do with the word. What does he want the word to do in your life? To be implanted. You know what I'm talking about? That the seed is planted. That it affects you. He goes on, which is able to save your souls. And that's where it begins. Listen, if you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you came to him on his terms, it's only because the implanted word of God is in your heart. It's the only reason you're saved today. And then he says this, verse 22, but be doers of the word 
and not hearers only. You mean to tell me I can hear good preaching and teaching and hear all that and, 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 and not do anything? And it will amount to, what does it say next? To deception in my heart? Yeah. You can deceive yourself. So be a doer of the word, not hearers only. Because if you're just hearing, you've deceived yourself. You may think you've done something. You may think God's impressed. He ain't impressed. You've deceived yourself. Because God wants action. God wants application. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. That means there's a reflection of God's word and the Holy Spirit's illumination. It's all there. For he observes himself, he goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. Here's what it means. It means illumination comes to your heart, and it has absolutely no impact. You mean it can go that far? Yeah. Yeah. Revelation of God, proper interpretation. I'm sitting here. God's, the Holy Spirit's brought it all together. God has definitely said something to me to illuminate me, to bring light to a situation. You mean to tell me that, it, that's, that no impact can come from that? If there's no application, there's no impact. But he, verse 25, who looks into the perfect law of liberty... God's righteousness, what God wants, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, what happens? This one is blessed in what he does. You know what that literally means? You're going to see results. You're going to see God do amazing things. Amazing things. Practically, what does this mean? Look at verse 26. Practically, if you're going to live this out, if you're going to bring it to application, if anyone among you thinks he is religious, if you think, here's another way of looking, if you think you've really heard from God, and it's there, and you don't bridle your tongue, it's not practically lived out in you, but you deceive, he deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless because there's no application. No application. Pure and unfiled, defiled, defiled religion before God and the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep one unspotted from the world. Now you could look at that and say, oh, the only thing that God cares about in this world is visiting orphans and widows. You could read that. But there's another part to remain unspotted. Don't be defiled by the world. What, what James is trying to do here is get you to see it will be lived out. If God has truly done a work in your life, it will impact you in such a way that you can't help but respond. And you'll do it practically. It may cause you to go out and visit orphans. It may cause you to go out and visit uh, widows. It may have you going out and, and paying attention that you don't want to be defiled by this world. But it will be practically lived out. Um, jump. Time. I'm really getting annoyed with time these days. I tell you. Um, all right. We're going to have to stop there. <laughs> there may be part three to this thing. <laughs> I really thought I could get through this. Let me say this. We're, we're not going to have an invitation this morning, but I do want to say this. The words that I've given you today, I don't care where you are in your Christian walk. This is... Listen, it's not because I'm giving it. It's because of what's in God's Word. This is some of the greatest information you could ever receive. 
doesn't matter where you are. If you're a new Christian, you're just starting out, this is, this is the basics. Listen, this is 101. This is 101 in Christian faith, okay? If you've been someone who's been saved for 50 years, and y'all, I've talked to people who've been saved 30, 40, 50 years, and they claim they're saved. They, they, they believe they are. And, and I'll be honest with you. I'll look at they For some of them, they've never seen this process this accurately in their life. And let me just say this. If that's you, I guarantee you, there's been times where you've doubted God. You've doubted your own salvation. Because listen, we serve a God who wants to transform our lives. And when he's not transforming us, we're going to doubt the whole process. We're going to doubt the whole purpose. We're going to even doubt where we stand with God. Because he is a God, listen, and the Bible says this over and over again, who wants to effectively work in us. Effectively work in us. The Bible says that over and over again. Granted, it mostly comes from Paul. But the word says it. So here's my question. Does the word of God effectively work in you. The process that will happen is through what I just shared with you. That's how it will happen. Guaranteed every time. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you. Ushers, would you come forward, please, at this time? Father, we just come to you right now. And, and Lord, I, I, I thank you for the message you laid on my heart, Lord. I I know from studying it, you've revealed some things to me in my own life, personally, that need addressing. And and Father, I happen to believe that since it worked in my life, it must work in other people's lives. And Father, I'm counting on that. And Father, I just pray for those who have gathered here today. Lord, if there's someone who's never received your word at any time in their life, they've never received it for what it is, maybe, maybe it means they've never come to you on the terms that you've set forth through repentance and just hearing from you. Maybe they've never been saved. Maybe all this is foreign to them. Father, I pray that before they leave this room today, they'd come and talk to me about that. Father, I pray if there's a Christian that's here today, and maybe, maybe it's been a long time, long time since they've heard your word speak so, so clearly in their heart, and maybe they're sitting here today just desperate, wanting that back. Father, I just pray, Lord, you just do a work in their life. Lord, help them to re- realize that nothing will happen unless they understand it's through inspiration that these are your words and this authority that needs to be in their life. Lord, help them realize until they see that, this word will have no impact in them. Father, help them to understand your word as you would have them. We thank you for what you're going to do in that. Father, take this offering and use it as only you can. To, 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 to do a work in people's lives. And Lord, give us that ability to share in Jesus' name. Amen.